0: CD9. When the officers had retreated to the masculine safety of the corridor the lieutenant turned to his squad "well men for you it's a very attractive offer i have to say" "not for us" said Tonka lofty nodded "nor me" said Shifty "why not" said Blouse "you would get your husband" "that might be a bit difficult" mumbled Shifty "anyway what about the invasion" I'm not going to be sent home like a package, said Igorina. Anyway, that man has an objectionable bone structure. Well, Private Goom can't join us right now, sighed Blouse, so that leaves you, Polly. Why are they doing this, said Polly? Why do they want us out of the way? Why aren't they just leaving us locked up? This place must be full of cells. Ah, perhaps they are sensible to the frailties of your sex, said Blouse. "'and then fried in their stares. "'I didn't say I was,' he added quickly. "'They could just kill us,' said Tonka. "'Well, they could,' she added. "'Why not? Who'd care? "'I don't think we count as prisoners of war.' "'But they haven't,' said Polly. "'And they're not even threatening us. "'They are being very careful. "'I think they're frightened of us.' "'Oh, yeah, right,' said Tonka. "'Maybe they think we're going to chase them "'and give them a big, wet, sloppy kiss.' "'Good.' Then we're agreed that we're not going to accept, said Blouse. Damn right! Oh, I I do apologise. We all know the words, sir, said Polly. I suggest we see how much we frighten them, sir. The officers were waiting with unconcealed impatience, but Rust managed a brief smile when he stepped back into the kitchen. Well, Lieutenant, he said. We have given your offer due consideration, sir, said Blouse, and our reply is, stick it up your... He leaned down to Polly, who whispered urgently. Who? Oh, yes, right. Your jumper, sir. Stick it, in fact, up your jumper. Named after Colonel Henri Jumper, I believe. A useful woollen garment akin to a lightweight sweater, sir, which, if I recall correctly, was named after Regimental Sergeant Major Sweat. That, sir, is where you may stick it. Rust received this calmly, and Polly wondered if it was because he hadn't understood it. The scruffy man, once more leaning against the wall, had understood it, though, since he was grinning. "'I see,' said Rust. "'And that is the answer from all of you. Then you leave us no choice. Good evening to you.' His attempt to stride out was hindered by the other officers, who had less sense of the dramatic moment. The door slammed behind them, but not before the last man out turned very briefly and made a hand gesture. You would have missed it if you weren't watching him, but Polly was watching. "'That seemed to go well,' "'said Blouse, turning away. "'I hope we're not going to get into trouble for that,' said Shufty. "'Compared to what?' said Tonka. "'The last man out stuck his thumb up and winked,' said Polly. "'Did you notice him? "'He wasn't even wearing an officer's uniform.' "'Probably wanted a date,' said Tonka. "'In Ankh-Morpork that means jolly good,' said Blouse. "'In Clatch, I think, it means I hope your donkey explodes. "'I spotted the man looked like a guard sergeant to me.' "'Didn't have stripes,' said Polly.' "'Why do you want to say jolly good to us?' "'Oh, I hate our donkey so much,' said Shufty. "'How's was her?' "'Sleeping,' said Igarina. "'I think.' "'What do you mean? "'Well, I don't think she's dead.' "'You don't think she is?' said Polly. "'Yes,' said Igarina. "'It's like that. "'I wish I could keep her warmer.' "'I thought you said she was burning up.' "'She was. "'Now she's freezing cold.' Lieutenant blouse strode over to the door, "'grabbed its handle, and, to the surprise of all, "'pulled it open. Four swords were leveled at him. "'We have a sick man here,' he snapped to the astonished guards. "'We need blankets and firewood. "'Get them now.' "'He slammed the door. "'It might work,' he said. "'That door doesn't have a lock,' said Tonka. "'Useful fact, Polly.' "'Polly sighed. "'Right now I just want something to eat. "'This is a kitchen, after all. "'There could be food here.' "'This is a kitchen,' said Tonka. "'There could be cleavers.' "'But it is always upsetting to find that the enemy is as bright as you. "'There was a well, but a web of bars across the top "'allowed for the passage of nothing bigger than a bucket, "'and someone with no sense of the narrative of adventure "'had removed from the room anything with an edge "'and, for some reason, anything that could be eaten. "'Unless we want to dine on candles,' said Shufty, "'pulling a bundle of them out of a creaking cupboard. "'Stallow, after all! "'I bet old Scalat would make candles scobo!' Polly checked the chimney, which smelled as though there had not been a fire in it for a long time. It was big and wide, but six feet up a heavy grill was hung with sooty cobwebs. It looked rusted and ancient, and could probably be shifted by twenty minutes' work with a crowbar, but there's never a crowbar when you want one. There were a couple of sacks of ancient, dry and dusty flour in a storeroom. It smelled bad. There was a thing with a funnel and a handle and some mysterious screws. Every long-established kitchen has one of these, and no one ever remembers why. It is generally for something that no one does any more, and even when it was done, it wasn't done with any real enthusiasm, such as celery basting, walnut shredding, or, in the worst case, edible dormouse stuffing. There were a couple of rolling pins, a lettuce strainer, some ladles, and there were forks, lots of small forks. Polly felt let down. It was ridiculous to expect that someone imprisoning people in some ad hoc cell would leave in all the ingredients to effect an escape, but nevertheless she felt that some universal rule had been broken. They had nothing better than a club, really. The toasting forks might prick, the lettuce strainer might pack a punch, and the rolling pins were at least a traditional female weapon, but all you could do with the thing with a funnel and a handle and mysterious screws was baffle people the door opened. Armed men came in to act as protection for a couple of women carrying blankets and firewood. They scurried in with their eyes cast down, deposited their burdens, and almost ran out. Polly strode over to the guard, who seemed to be in charge, and he backed away. A huge key ring jingled on his belt. You knock next time, all right? she said. He grinned nervously. "Uh, Yeah, right, he said. They said we weren't to talk to you. Really? The jailer glanced around. "'But we reckon you're doing bloody well for girls,' he said, conspiratorially. "'So that means you won't shoot at us when we break out?' said Polly sweetly. The grin faded. "'Don't try it,' said the jailer. "'What a big bunch of keys you have there, sir,' said Tonka, and the man's hand flew to his belt. "'You just stay in there,' he said. "'Things are bad enough already. You stay here.' He slammed the door. A moment later they heard something heavy being pushed up against it. "'Well!' "'Now we have a fire at least,' said Blouse. "'Er,' this was from Lofty. She volunteered a word so seldom that the rest turned to look at her, and she stopped in embarrassment. "'Yes, Lofty,' said Polly. "'Er, I know how to get the door open,' muttered Lofty. "'So it stays open, I mean.' Had it been anyone else, someone would have laughed, but words from Lofty had obviously been turned over for some time before utterance. "'Er, good,' said Blouse. "'Well done.' I've been thinking about it, said Lofty. Good. It will work. Just what we need then, said Blouse, like a man trying against all the odds to keep cheerful. Lofty looked up at the big sooty beams that ran across the room. Yes, she said. But there'll still be guards outside, said Polly. No, said Lofty. There won't. There won't? They'll have gone away. Lofty stopped, with the air of one who'd said everything that needed to be said. Tonka walked over and took her arm. "'We'll just have a little chat, shall we?' she said, and led the girl to the other side of the room. There was some whispered conversation. Lofty spent most of it staring at the floor, and then Tonka came back. "'We will need the bags of flour from the storeroom, and the rope from the well,' she said. "'And one of those—what are those big round things that cover dishes with a knob on?' "'Dish covers,' said Shufty. "'And a candle,' Tonka went on. "'And a lot of barrels, and a lot of water. "'And—' What will all this do? said Blouse. Make a big bang, said Tonka. Tilda knows about fire, believe me, and flower dust explodes. When you say she knows, Polly began uncertainly, I mean every place she worked at burned down, said Tonka. They rolled the empty barrels to the middle of the room and filled them with water from the pump. Under Lofty's monosyllabic direction, using the rope from the well, they hauled three leaking, dusty flour-sacks up as high as possible, so that they twisted gently over the space between the barrels and the door. "'Ah,' said Polly, standing back, "'I think I understand. A flour-mill on the other side of town blew up two years ago.' "'Yes,' said Tonka, "'that was Tilda.' "'What?' "'They'd been beating her. "'And worse. "'And the thing about Tilda is, "'she just watches and thinks,' and somewhere in there it all comes together, and it goes bang. But two people died. The man and his wife, yes, but I heard that other girls sent there never came back at all. Shall I tell you that Tilda was pregnant when they brought her back to the grey house after the fire? She had it, and they took it away, and we don't know what happened to it. And then she got beaten again because she was an abomination unto Nuggan. Does that make you feel better? said Tonka, tying the rope to a table leg. There's just us, Polly." Just her and me. No inheritance. No nice home to go back to. No relatives that we know of. The grey house breaks us all somehow. Waza talks to the Duchess. I don't have middle gears. And Tilda frightens me when she gets her hands on a box of matches. You should see her face then, though. It lights up. Of course, Tonka smiled in her dangerous way, so do other things. Better get everyone into the storeroom while we light the candle. Shouldn't Tilda do that? She will, but we'll have to be ready to drag her away, otherwise she'll stay and watch. This had started like a game. She hadn't thought of it like a game, but it was a game called Let Polly Keep the Duchess. And now it didn't matter. She'd made all kinds of plans, but she was beyond plans now. They'd done bloody well for girls. A last barrel of water had been placed, after some discussion, in front of the storeroom door, Polly looked over the top at Blouse and the rest of the squad. "'Okay, everybody, we're uh, about to do it,' she said. "'Are we sure about this, Tonka?' "'Yup. "'And we won't get hurt?' Tonka sighed. "'The dusty flower will explode, that's simple. "'The blast coming this way will hit the barrels full of water, "'which will probably last just long enough to see it rebound. "'The worst that should happen to us is that we get wet. "'That's what Tilda thinks. "'Would you argue? "'And in the other direction there's only the door.' How does she work this out? She doesn't. She just sees how it should go. Tonka handed Blouse the end of a rope. This goes over the beam and down to the dish-lid. Can you hold it, Lieutenant? But don't pull it until we say. And I really mean that. Come on, Polly. In the space between the barrels and the door, Lofty was lighting a candle. She did it slowly, as if it was a sacrament or some ancient ceremony, every part of which held enormous and complex meaning. She lit a match— and held it carefully until the flame caught. She waved it back and forth on the base of the candle, which she thrust firmly onto the flagstones, so that the hot wax stuck it into position. Then she applied the match to the candle wick. Polly and Tonka watched her kneel there, staring at the dancing flame. "'Okay,' said Tonka, "'I'm just going to pick her up, and you just carefully lower the lid over the candle, right? Come on, Tilda!' She raised the girl carefully to her feet, whispering to her all the time, and then nodded to Polly, who lowered the lid with a carefulness that amounted to reverence. Lofty walked as though asleep. Tonka stopped by the leg of a heavy kitchen table, to which she'd attached the other end of the rope holding the flour bags. "'Okay, so far,' she said. "'Now, when I pull the knot, we each grab an arm and we run, Polly. Understand? We run. Ready? Got her?' She hauled on the rope. "'Run!' "'The flour sacks dropped, streaming white dust as they fell, "'and exploded in front of the door. "'Flour rose like a fog. "'They raced for the storeroom and fell in a heap past the barrel "'as Tonka screamed, "Okay, Lieutenant!' Blouse pulled the rope that raised the lid "'and let the candle flame reach. "'The word was not woomph "'The experience was woomph. "'It had a quality that overwhelmed every sense. "'It shook the world like a sheet, painted it white,' and then, surprisingly, filled it with the smell of toast. And then it was over, in a second, leaving nothing but distant screams and the rumble of collapsing masonry. Polly uncurled and looked up into Blouse's face. I think we grab things and run now, sir, she said, and screaming would help. I think I can manage the screaming, muttered Shifty. This is not a very nurturing experience. Blouse gripped his ladle. I hope this isn't going to be our famous last stand, he said. "'In fact, sir,' said Polly, "'I think it's going to be our first. "'Permission to yell in a blood-curdling way, sir?' "'Permission granted, Perks.' The floor was awash with water and bits, quite small bits, of barrel. Half the chimney had collapsed into the fireplace, and the soot was blazing fiercely. Polly wondered if, down in the valley, it had looked like a signal. The door was gone, so was a lot of wall around it. Beyond, smoke and dust filled the air.' In it, men lay groaning or picked their way aimlessly across the rubble. When the squad arrived, they did not simply fail to put up a fight. They failed to understand—or hear. The women lowered their weapons. Polly spotted the sergeant, who was sitting and hitting the side of his head with the flat of his hand. "'Give me the keys,' she demanded. He tried to focus. "'What?' "'The keys? I'll have a brown one, please.' "'Are you okay? "'What?' Polly reached down and snatched the keyring from the unresisting man's belt, fighting down an instinct to apologise. She threw them to blouse. "'Will you do the honours, sir? I think we'll be having a lot of visitors really soon.' She turned to the squad. "'The rest of you, get their weapons off them.' "'Some of these men are badly hurt, Polly,' said Igorina, kneeling down. "'There's one here with multiple.' "'Multiple what?' said Polly, watching the steps. "'Just multiple. Multiple everything.' but I know I can save his arm, because I've just found it over there. I think he must have been holding his sword, and— Just do what you can, okay? said Polly. Hey there, enemies! said Tonka, picking up a sword. This is an eagle thing, said Igorina, taking off her pack. I'm sorry you wouldn't understand. I'm beginning not to. Tonka joined Polly and her watch on the stairs. Around them men groaned and stone creaked. "'I wonder how much damage we did. There's a lot of dust up there.' "'There'll be a lot of people here soon,' said Polly, more calmly than she felt. "'Because this is going to be it,' she thought. "'This time there's going to be no turkey to save us. "'This is where I find out if I'm the meat or the metal.' She could hear Blouse unlocking doors, and the shouts from those within. "'Lieutenant Blouse, Tenth Infantry,' he was saying. "'This is a rescue, broadly speaking. Sorry about the mess.' Probably his inner Daphne had added that last bit, Polly thought. And then the corridor was full of released men, and someone said, What are these women doing here, for God's sake? Give me that sword, girl! And right now she wasn't inclined to argue. Men take over. It is probably because of socks. The squad retired to the kitchen, where Igarina was at work. She worked fast, efficiently, and, on the whole, with very little blood. Her large pack was open beside her. The jars inside were blue, green and red. Some of them smoked when she opened them or gave off strange lights. Igorina's fingers moved in a blur. It was fascinating to watch her work. At least, it was if you hadn't just eaten. Squad, this is Major Eric von Moldwitz. He's asked to meet you. They turned at the sound of Blouse's voice. He'd brought a newcomer. The Major was young, but much heavier built than the lieutenant. He had a scar across his face. Stand easy, lads he said. Blouse here's been telling me what cracking work you've been doing. Well done. Dressed up as women, eh? Lucky you won't find out. Yes, sir, said Polly. From outside there came the sound of cries and fighting. Didn't bring your uniforms with you, said the Major. Could have been tricky if they were frowned on us, said Polly, staring at Blouse. Could have been tricky anyway, eh, if you were searched, said the Major, winking. Yes, sir, said Polly obediently. Lieutenant Blouse told you all about this, did he, sir?' Just behind the Major, Blouse was making a universal gesture. It consisted of both hands held palms up and outwards, and waggled furiously with all fingers extended. Ha, yes. Still some clothesmen knocking, shop, eh? Young lads like you shouldn't have gone in a place like that, eh? Those places are an abomination if they're run right, said the Major, wagging a finger theatrically. Anyway, we're doing well. Hardly any guards this deep in the keep, you see. The whole place was built on the basis that the enemy would be on the outside. "'I say, what's that man doing to that man on the slab?' "'Patching him up, sir,' said Igorina, "'throwing his arm back on. "'He's an enemy, ain't he?' "'Code of the eagles, sir,' said Igorina reproachfully. "'A spare hand where needed, sir.' The Major sniffed. "'Oh, well, can't argue with you fellows, eh? "'But when you're finished, we've got plenty of chaps out there "'who could do with your help.' "'Certainly, sir,' said Igorina. "'Any news of my brother, sir?' said Polly. ''Paul Perks?'' ''Yes. Blas here mentioned him. parks, but there's men locked up everywhere, and it's a little tricky right now, eh?'' said the Major, briskly. ''Ask the rest of you. We'll get you into a pair of pants as soon as possible, and you can join in the fun, eh?'' ''The fun,'' said Tonka, in a hollow voice. ''The fun being,'' said Polly. ''We've got as far as the fourth floor already,'' said von Mildwitz. ''We might not have the whole keep back,'' but we hold the outer courtyards and some of the towers. By morning we'll control who comes in and who goes out. We're back in the war. They won't invade now. Most of their top brass are in the inner keep. Back in the war, murmured Polly. And we will win, said the major. Oh, sugar, said Shufty. Something was going to give Polly new. Tonka had that look she got before she exploded, and even Shufty was fidgeting. It would only be a matter of time before Lofty found her box of matches which Polly had hidden in a cupboard. Igorina packed up a bag and smiled brightly at the Major. "'Ready to go, sir,' she said. "'At least remove the wig, eh?' "'It's my own hair, sir,' said Igorina. "'Looks a bit sissy, then,' said the Major. "'It'll be better if—' "'I am in fact female, sir,' said Igorina, dropping most of the lisp. "'Trust me, I'm an Igor." We know about this sort of thing, and my needlework is second to none. "'A woman!' said the Major. Polly sighed. "'We all are, sir, really women, not just dressed up as women, and right now I don't want to put any pants on, because then I'd be a woman dressed up as a man, dressed up as a woman, dressed up as a man, and then I'd be so confused I won't know how to swear, and I want to swear right now, sir, very much.' The Major turned stiffly to Blouse. "'Did you know about this, Lieutenant?' he barked. "'Well, uh, yes, sir, eventually, but even so, sir, I would—' This cell was an old guardroom. It was damp and had two creaking bunks. "'On the hall,' said Tonka, "'I think it was better when we were locked up by the enemy.' "'There's a grill in the ceiling,' said Shufty. "'Not big enough to climb through,' said Polly. "'No, but we can hang ourselves before they do.' I'm told it's a very painful way to die, said Polly. Who by? said Tonka. Occasionally the sounds of battle filtered through the narrow window. Mostly it was yells. Often it was screams. Fun was being had. Igorina sat staring at her hands. What's wrong with these? She said. Didn't I do a good job on that arm? But no, they're afraid I might touch their privates.' Perhaps you could have promised to operate only on officers, said Tonka. No one laughed, and probably no one would have bothered to run for it if the door had swung open. It was a proud and noble thing to escape from the enemy, but if you were escaping from your own side, where would you escape to? On one of the bunks Wazza slept like a hibernating bear. You had to watch her for some time to see her breathe. What can they do to us, said Shufti nervously. You know, really do to us. "'We were wearing men's clothes,' said Polly. "'But that's only a beating.' Oh, they'll find some other stuff, believe you me,' said Tonka. "'Besides, who knows what here?' "'But we got them out of prison, our side,' Polly sighed. "'That's why, Shifty, no one wants to know that a bunch of girls dressed up as soldiers and broke into a big fort and let out half an army. Everyone knows females can't do that. Neither side wants us here, understand?' On a battlefield like this, who'll worry about a few more bodies?' said Tonka. "'Don't say that. Lieutenant Blau spoke up for us,' said Shufty. "'What, Daphne?' said Tonka. "'Ha! Just another body. They've probably locked him up somewhere, just like us.' There was a distance cheering which went on for some time. "'Sounds like they've got the building,' said Polly. "'Hooray for us!' said Tonka, and spat. After a while... A small hatch was opened in the door and a silent man handed through a big can of scubbo and a tray of horse bread. It wasn't bad scubbo, or at least not bad scubbo by the standards of bad scubbo. There was some discussion about whether being fed meant you weren't going to be executed until someone pointed out the tradition of the last hearty meal. Igarina gave it as her professional opinion that the stew was not only hearty, but lungy and livery too. But at least it was hot. A couple of hours later, a can of sloop was handed through, with some mugs. This time the guard winked. An hour after that, the door was unlocked. A young man in a major's uniform stepped inside. Oh well, let's go on as we started, Polly thought. She leapt to her feet. Squad, ten, hut! With reasonable speed, the squad at least managed to stand up straight and in a line. The major acknowledged her by tapping the peak of his cap with a stick. It was definitely thinner than an inch. "'Stand easy, a corporal, isn't it?' he said. "'Yes, sir,' that sounded promising. "'I'm Major Clogston of the Provost's Office,' said the Major, "'and I'd like you to tell me all about it. "'About everything. "'I will make notes, if you don't mind.' "'What's all this about?' said Tonka. "'Ah, you'd be Private Halter?' said Clogston. "'I've already spoken at length to Lieutenant Blowers.' He turned, nodded at the guard hovering in the doorway, and shut the door. He also closed the hatch. You are going to be tried, he said, sitting down on the spare bunk. The politicos want you to be tried by a full Nugganite court, but that'll be tricky here, and no one wants this to go on for any longer than it has to. Besides, there have been an unusual event. Someone has sent a communique to General Frock, asking about you all by name, at least, he added, by your surnames. Was that Lord Rust, sir? No, it was someone called... "'William de Word, I don't know if you've run across his newspaper thing. "'We're wondering how he knew you were captured.' "'Well, we didn't tell him,' said Polly. "'It makes things a little tricky,' said Clockston. "'Although, from your point of view, a lot more hopeful. "'There are those members of the army who are, let us say, "'considering the future of Borogravia. "'That is, they would like there to be one. "'My job is to present your case to the tribunal.' "'Is that a court martial?" said Polly.' "'No, they're not that stupid. "'Calling it a court-martial "'would indicate that they accept "'that you are soldiers.' "'You did,' said Shufty. "'De facto is not de jure,' said Clogston. "'Now, as I said, "'tell me your story, Miss Perks.' "'That's corporal, thank you. "'I apologise for the lapse. "'Now, go on.' Clogston opened his bag "'and produced a pair of half-moon spectacles, "'which he put on, "'and took out a pencil "'and something white and square. "'Whenever you're ready,' he added, "'Sir, are you really going to write on a jam sandwich?' said Polly. "'What?' the Major looked down and laughed. "'Oh, no! (laughs) Excuse me! I really mustn't miss meals. Blood sugar, you know. "'Only it's oozing, sir. Don't mind us, we've eaten.' It took an hour, with many interruptions and corrections, and two more sandwiches. The Major used up quite a lot of notebook, and occasionally had to stop and stare at the ceiling.' And then we were thrown in here, said Polly, sitting back. Pushed, really, said Igorina, nudged. hm," said Cloxton. You say Corporal Strappy, as you knew him, was suddenly very ill at the thought of going into battle? Yes, sir. And in a tavern plot, you really need Prince Heinrich and the Fracar, In or about the fracas, sir. And I didn't know it was him at the time, sir. "'I see you haven't mentioned the action on the hilltop where, "'according to Lieutenant Blouse, your prompt work got the enemy code-book. "'Not really worth mentioning, sir. We didn't do much with it.' "'Oh, I don't know. Because of you and that nice man in the newspaper, "'the Alliance has had two regiments trotting around in the mountains "'after some guerrilla leader called Tiger. "'Prince Heinrich insisted, and is in fact in command. "'He is, you could say, a sore loser. "'Very sore, according to rumor. The newspaper writer believed all that stuff, said Polly, amazed. I don't know, but he certainly wrote it down. You say, Lord Rust offered to let you all go home quietly? Yes, sir. And the consensus of opinion was that he could uh, stick it up his jumper, sir. Oh, yes, I couldn't read my own writing. J.U.M. Cloxton carefully wrote the word in capital letters, and then said, I'm not saying this, I am not here, but some... "'Senior people on our side are wondering "'if you would just quietly go.' "'The question hung in the air like a corpse from a beam. "'I'll put that down as jumper, too, then, shall I?' said Clockston. "'Some of us have got nowhere to go, too,' said Tonka. "'Or with,' said Shufty. "'We haven't done anything wrong,' said Polly. "'Jumper it is, then,' said the Major. "'He folded up his little spectacles and sighed. "'They won't even tell me "'what charges are going to be made.' "'Being bad girls,' said Tonka. "'Who are we fooling, sir? "'The enemy just wanted "'to be quietly rid of us, "'and the general wants the same thing. the trouble about "'the good guys and the bad guys. "'They're all guys.' "'Would we have got a medal, sir, "'if we'd been men?' "'Shifty demanded. "'Yep, certainly. "'And blouse would have been "'promoted on the spot, I imagine. "'But right now we're at war, "'and this might not be the time "'to thank a bunch of abominable women.' "'Polly suggested. "'Clogston smiled. "'I was going to say "'to lose concentration. "'It's the political branch "'who are pushing for this, of course. "'They want to stop word getting around, "'and High Command want this over quickly "'for the same reason.' "'When is all this going to start?' said Polly. "'In about half an hour.' "'This is stupid,' said Tonka. "'They're in the middle of a war "'and they're going to take the time "'to hold a trial for a few women "'who haven't even done anything wrong.' "'The General has insisted,' said Cloxton. "'He wants this cleared out of the way.' "'And what authority has this meeting got?' said Polly coldly. Thousands of men under arms,' said Cloxton. "'Sorry. The trouble is, when you say to a General, "'You and whose army,' he just has to point out of the window. "'But I intend to prove that the meeting should be a court-martial. "'You all kissed the Duchess? "'You took the shilling? "'I say that makes it military business.' "'And that's good, is it?' "'Well, it means there are procedures,' said the Major. "'The last abomination from Nuggan was against jigsaw puzzles. "'They break the world into pieces,' he says. "'That's making people think at last. "'The army may be crazy, but at least it's crazy by numbers. "'It's reliably insane. Uh, "'Your sleeping friend, will you leave her here?' "'No,' said the squad, as one woman. "'She needs my constant attention,' said Igorina. "'If we leave her, she might have a sudden attack of vanishing without trace,' said Tonka. "'We stick together,' said Polly. "'We don't leave a man behind.' The room chosen for the tribunal was a ballroom. More than half the keep had been taken back, Polly learned, but the distribution of ground was erratic. The alliance still held the central buildings and the armoury, but was entirely surrounded by Borogravian forces.' the current prize to fight for was the main gate complex, which hadn't been built to withstand attack from the inside. What was happening out there now was a brawl, a midnight bar fight but on a huge scale, and since there were various war engines atop the towers, now occupied by either side, the keep was shooting at itself, in the finest traditions of the circular firing squad. The floor in here smelled of polish and chalk. Tables had been pushed together to make a rough semicircle. There must have been more than 30 officers polly thought then she saw the other tables behind the semicircle and the maps and the people scurrying in and out and realized that this was not just about them this was a war room the squad were marched in and stood at attention igorina had browbeaten a couple of guards to carry Wazza on a stretcher that circle of stitches under her eye was worth more than a colonel's pips no soldier wanted to be on the wrong side of the igors they waited "'Occasionally an officer would glance at them "'and go back to looking at a map or talking. "'Then Polly saw some whispering going on, "'heads turned again, "'and there was a drift toward the semicircle of seats. "'There was a definite sense that here was a tiresome chore "'that regrettably had to be done. "'General Frock did not look directly at the squad "'until he had taken his seat in the centre of the group "'and adjusted his papers neatly. "'Even then his eye passed over them quickly, "'as if it was afraid to stop.' Polly had never seen him before. He was a handsome man and still had a fine head of white hair. A scar down one side of his face had just missed an eye and showed up against the wrinkles. "'Things are moving well,' he said to the room in general. "'We have just heard that a flying column led by the remnant of Tenth are closing on the keep and attacking the main gates from outside. Someone must have seen what is happening. The army is on the move.' There was a certain amount of refined cheering at this, none of it, from the squad. The general glanced at them again. Is this all of them, Clogston? he said. The major, who at least had a small table to himself, stood up and saluted. No, sir, he said. We are waiting. The doors opened again. Jade was brought in, chained between two much larger trolls. Maledict and Blouse trailed behind her. It seemed that in all the rush and confusion no one had found any pants for blouse, and Maledict looked slightly blurred. His chains jingled constantly. "'I object to the chains, sir,' said Clogston. The general held a whispered consultation with a few of the other officers. "'Yes, we do not want undue formality,' he said, nodding at the guards. "'Remove them. You trolls can go. I just want the guards to remain on the door. Now.' "'Let us proceed. "'This really shouldn't take too long. "'Now then you new people.' "'He settled himself in his chair. "'This really is very simple. "'With the exception of Lieutenant Blowers, "'you will agree to be returned to your homes "'and placed in the charge of a responsible male. "'Understood? "'And no more will be said about this matter. "'You have shown considerable spirit. "'There is no doubt about that, "'but it was misplaced. "'We are not ungrateful, however.' "'We understand that none of you are married, "'and so we will present you all with suitable, "'indeed, with handsome diaries,' Polly saluted. "'Permission to speak, sir?' "'Frock stared at her, and then looked pointedly at Clogston. "'You'll have a chance to speak later, Corporal,' said the Major. "'But what exactly have we done wrong, sir?' said Polly. "'They should tell us.' "'Frock looked at the far end of the row of chairs. "'Captain,' he said, a short officer got to his feet. In Polly's face, the tide of recognition raced across the mudflats of hatred. Captain Strappy, political division, sir, he began, and stopped at the groan from the squad. When it had died away, he cleared his throat and went on. Twenty-seven abominations have been committed under Nuganatic law, sir. I suspect there have been many more. Under military law, sir, we have the simple fact that they posed as men in order to join up. "'I was there, sir, and saw it all. "'Captain Strappy, may I congratulate you on your rapid promotion?' said Lieutenant Blouse. "'Yes, indeed, Captain,' said Clogston. "'Apparently you were a humble corporal only a few days ago.' Plaster dust drifted down again as something heavy struck the wall outside. Frock brushed it off his paperwork. "'Not one of ours, I hope,' he said, to a certain amount of laughter. "'Do go ahead, Captain.' "'Strappy turned to the General. "'As you know, sir, it is occasionally necessary for us in the political division "'to assume a lower rank in order to gain intelligence. "'Covered under the regulations, sir,' he added. "'The look that General Frock gave him "'stirred a little teacup of hope in Polly's breast. "'No one could like something like Strappy, not even a mother.' "'Then the man turned back to Clogston. "'Is this germane, Major?' he said testily. "'We know they disguise themselves as women, sir,' said Clogston smoothly. "'That's all we know, sir. "'Apart from Captain Strap's assertion, "'and I intend to suggest later that this is tainted, "'I haven't yet heard any evidence that they have dressed in any other way.' "'We have the evidence of our own eyes, man.' "'Yes, sir, they're wearing dresses, sir,' said Clogston patiently. "'And they're practically bald.' "'Yes, sir,' said Clogston.' He picked up a thick book, dripping with bookmarks. "'Book of Nuggins, sir. "'It is a beatitude under nuggin that an woman shall wear her hair short, "'that the amorous propensities of men be not therefore inflamed.' "'I don't see a lot of bald women around,' snapped Frock. "'Yes, sir. "'It is one of those utterances that people find somewhat tricky, "'like the one about not sneezing.' I should say at this point, sir, that I intend to show that abominations are routinely committed by all of us. We have got into the habit of ignoring them, in fact, which opens up an interesting debate. In any case, short hair is nuggetically correct. In short, sir, and in short hair, the ladies appear to have been involved in nothing more than a little laundry, a kitchen accident, and the release of your good self from the cells. I saw them, snarled Strappy. "'They looked like men, and they acted like men.' "'Why were you in the recruiting party, Captain?' said Major Clogston. "'I would not have thought one of those would have been a hotbed of seditious activity.' "'Is that a relevant question, Major?' said the General. "'I don't know, sir,' said Clogston. "'That's why I asked. I don't think we would wish it to be said that these ladies had not been given a fair hearing.' "'Said by whom?' "'said Frock. "'My officers can be relied upon "'to be discreet.' "'Said by the ladies themselves, sir?' "'Then we must require "'that they do not speak to anyone.' "'Oh, I say,' said Blouse. "'And how will you enforce this, sir?' "'said Clogston. "'Against these women who, "'we have agreed, "'stole you out of the jaws "'of the enemy?' "'There was some muttering "'among the officers.' "'Major Clogston, "'did you have lunch?' "'said the general.' "'No, sir. Colonel Vester said you become a little erratic when you miss meals.' "'No, sir. I become tetchy, sir. But I think a little tetchiness is called for right now. I put a question to Captain Strappy, sir.' "'Very well. Captain, perhaps you will tell us why you were with that recruiting party?' said the General wearily. "'I was investigating a soldier, sir,' said Strappy reluctantly. "'A non-commissioned officer.' "'Our attention had been drawn to irregularities in his files, sir, "'and where there are irregularities we generally find sedition. "'I hesitate to talk about this, sir, "'because this sergeant has been of some service to yourself.' said the general loudly. "'This is not a matter of discussion here, I think. "'It was just that, according to the files, several officers had helped,' "'Strappy went on. <clears throat> Not matter for this court, Captain, are we? Agreed, gentlemen. Yes, sir, it was just that the major asked me, and I— Strappy began, bewildered. Captain, I suggest you learn what a— Ahem, <clears throat> means, roared Frock. So what were you looking for when you rummaged through our stuff? Said Polly, as Strappy shrank. my coffee— "'said Maledict. "'You used at all my make a coffee. "'And you ran away when you were told "'that you were going into combat, "'you little dog's pizzle,' said Tonka. "'Polly said you pissed your drawers.' "'General Frock slammed his fist on the table, "'but Polly noticed that one or two officers "'were trying to conceal a smile. "'These are not matters for this inquiry,' he said. "'Although, sir, one or two of them "'seem to be subject for investigation later on.' "'said a colonel further along the table. "'The personal belongings of enlisted men "'may only be searched in their presence, General. "'This may seem a trivial point, "'but men have mutinied over it in the past. "'Did you, in fact, believe the uh, men to be women "'when you did this, Captain?' "'Oh, say yes, please, say yes,' Polly thought as Strappy hesitated, "'because when we talk about how those cavalrymen found us so quickly, "'it'll mean you set them on a bunch of Borogravian girls. "'Let's see how that one plays in plots. "'And if you didn't know, then why were you rummaging?' "'Strappy preferred the rock to the hard place.' "'Stone clattered down in the courtyard outside, "'and he had to raise his voice to make himself heard. "'I was er, generally suspicious of them, sir, "'because they were so keen.' "'Sir, I protest,' said Clogston. "'Keenness is not a military vice.' "'In moderation, certainly,' said Frock. "'And you found evidence of some sort, did you?' "'I did find a petticoat, sir,' said Strappy, "'feeling his way with care.' Then why didn't you? Frock began, but Strappy interrupted. I did serve for a while with Captain Wrigglesworth, sir, he said. And? said Frock. But the officer on his left leaned over and whispered something to him. Oh, Wrigglesworth. Ha <laughs> ha, yes, said Frock. Of course. Fine officer, Wrigglesworth. Keen on, er, uh, amateur dramatics, a colonel supplied in a noncommittal voice. "'Right, right. Very good for morale, that sort of thing. <coughs> <clears throat> "'With respect, General, I think I can offer a way through,' said another man with the General's rank. "'Really, Bob,' said Frock. "'Oh, well, feel free. "'The record will show I am yielding the floor to General Gzupi." "'I'm sorry, sir. "'I thought these proceedings were not being recorded,' said Clogston.' "'Yes, yes, of course. Thank you so much for jogging my memory,' said Frock. "'However, if we were to have a record, that is what it would show. Bob?' "'Ladies,' said General Kazuppi, flashing the squad a glossy smile. "'And you too, of course, Lieutenant Blouse, and you too, er, um... He looked quizzically at Maledict, who stared straight back. "'Sir!' General Kazupi, though, was not to be derailed by an eyeballing vampire, even one that couldn't stand still. Firstly, may I offer on behalf of all of us, I think, our thanks for the incredible job you have done, a splendid effort. But, sadly, the world we live in has certain rules you understand. To be frank, the problem here is not that you are women, as such, that is, but you persist in maintaining that you are. You see, we can't have that.' "'You mean if we put on uniforms again and swaggered around belching and saying "'har-har-fooled you all,' that would be all right,' said Polly. "'Perhaps I could help,' said another voice. "'Frock looked along the table. "'Ah, Brigadier Stoffer, yes? "'This is all rather damned silly, General,' (coughs) said Frock. "'What say?' said Stoffer, looking puzzled. "'There are ladies present, Brigadier. "'That is (laughs) the problem.' "'Damn right!' said Tonka. "'Understood, General. "'But the party was led by a man, am I right?' "'Lieutenant Blouse tells me he is a man, sir,' said Clogston. "'Since he is an officer and a gentleman, I will take his word for it.' "'Well then, problem solved. "'These young ladies helped him, smuggled him in and so forth, assisted him. "'Fine traditions of Borogravian womanhood and all that. "'Not soldiers at all. "'Give the man a big medal and make him a captain, and this will all be forgotten.' "'Strappy rocketed to his feet. "'General, I protest it would not be—' "'Protest not accepted,' Frock snapped. "'This is real politics, Captain. "'It is not about prying and peeking. "'It is not a matter for the political department.' "'Strappy deflated back into his chair. "'He caught Polly's eye for a moment "'and then hastily looked away. "'Very well.' "'said Frock, looking up and down the table, "'and then smoothing his paperwork "'and squaring off the edges "'like a man finishing for the day. "'This sounds a very sensible "'and generous proposal to me, Major.' "'Excuse me one moment, General,' said Cloxton. "'I will consult with what we would call "'the accused, if anyone would enlighten me, "'as to the precise nature of the charges.' "'He walked over to the squad "'and lowered his voice. "'I think this is the best offer "'you're going to get.' "'he said. "'I can probably get the money, too. "'How about it?' "'It's completely ridiculous,' said Blouse. "'They showed tremendous courage and determination. "'All this would not have been possible without them.' "'Yes, Blouse, and you would be allowed to say that,' said Clockston. "Stoffer has come up with quite a clever idea. "'Everyone gets what they want, "'but you just have to avoid any suggestion that you were, "'in fact, acting as soldiers. "'Brave, Borogravian women going to the aid of a gallant hero, "'that works!' You could take the view that these are changing times, and you are helping them change faster. Well, the squad exchanged glances. Eh, I'd be happy about that, Shifty ventured, if everyone else is. So you'd have your baby without a husband, said Polly. He's probably dead anyway, whoever he was, sighed Shifty. The general has influence, said Clogston. He might be able to "'No, I'm not buying into this,' said Tonka. "'It's a gooey little lie. Too well with them.' Amusement. "'Lofty,' said Polly. Lofty struck a match and stared at it. She could find matches anywhere. There was another crump high above. "'Maledict?' said Polly. "'Let the ball roll. I say no.' "'And you, Lieutenant?' Clogston asked. "'It's dishonorable," said Blouse.' Could be problems for you if you don't accept, though, with your career. I suspect I haven't got one, Major, whatever happens. No, I will not live a lie. I know now that I'm not a hero. I'm just someone who wanted to be one. Thank you, sir, said Polly. Er, Jade? One of the trolls what arrested me, hit me with his club, and I threw a table at him, said Jade, looking at the floor. That was mistreatment of a pris— Blouse began, but Clogston said— Uh, No, Lieutenant, I know something about trolls. They are very physical. So, he's a rather attractive lad, is he, Private? I've got a good feeling about him, said Jade, blushing. So I don't want to be sent home. Nothing for me there anyway. Private Igor Ina, said Blouse. I think we ought to give in, said Igorina. Why, said Polly? Because was as dying.' She raised a hand. "'No, please don't cluster round. Give her air at least. She hasn't eaten. I can't get any water down her at all.' She looked up with red-rimmed eyes. "'I don't know what to do.' "'The Duchess talked to her,' said Polly. "'You all heard, and you know what we saw down in the crypt. And I say I don't believe any of that,' said Tonka. "'It's her mind. They made her crazy enough.' and we were all so tired we'd see anything. All that stuff about wanting to get to the high command, well, here they are, and I don't see any miracles. do you?' "'I don't think she would have wanted us to give in,' said Polly. "'No!' "'Did you hear that?' said Polly, although now she wasn't certain if the word had turned up in her head via her ears. "'No, I didn't,' said Tonka. "'I didn't hear it!' "'I don't think we can accept this compromise, sir,' said Polly to the Major. "'Then I won't!' "'said Shufty promptly. "'I don't—this wasn't— "'only came because—but— "'Look, I'm staying with you. Um, "'What can they do to us, sir?' "'Put you in a cell for a long time, probably,' said the Major. "'They're being kind to you.' "'Kind?' said Polly. "'Well, they think they're being kind,' said Clockston. "'And they could be a lot worse. "'And there's a war on. "'They don't want to look bad, "'but Frock did not get to be a general by being nice. "'I have to warn you about that.' You're still turning this down? Blouse looked around at his men. I believe we are, Major. Good, said Clockston, winking. Good. Clockston went back to his table and shuffled his papers. The allegedly accused, sir, regretfully turned down the offer. Yes, I thought they might, said Frock. In that case, they are to be returned to the cells. They will be dealt with later. Plaster showered down as something hit the outer wall again. This has gone quite far enough. We won't be sent to the cells, Tonker shouted. Then that is mutiny, sir, said Frock, and we know how to deal with that. Excuse me, General, does that then mean the tribunal does agree that these ladies are soldiers, said Clogston. General Frock glared at him. Don't you try to tie me up with procedural nonsense, Major. It's hardly nonsense, sir, if the very basis— duck." The word was the faintest, merest suggestion in Polly's head, but it also seemed to be wired to her central nervous system. And not only hers, the squad ducked, Igorina throwing herself across her patient's body. Half the ceiling collapsed, the chandelier fell down and exploded in a kaleidoscope of splintering prisms, mirrors shattered. And then there was, by comparison at least, silence, broken only by the thud of a few late bits of plaster and the tinkle of a tardy shard. Now! Footsteps approached the big doors at the end of the room, where the guards were just struggling to their feet. The doors swung open. Jackram stood there, shining like the sunset. The light glinted off his shako badge, polished to the point where it would blind the incautious with its terrible gleam. His face was red, but his jacket was redder, and his sergeant's sash was the pure quill of redness, its very essence the red of dying stars and dying soldiers. Blood dripped off the cutlasses thrust into his belt. The guards, still shaking, tried to lower their pikes to bar his way. Do not try it, lads, I beg you, said Jackram. Upon my oath I am not a violent man, but do you think Sergeant Jackram is going to be stopped by a set of bleeding cutlery? The men looked at Jackram, steaming with barely controlled rage, and then at the astonished generals, and took an immediate decision on their own desperate initiative. Weapons were lowered. "'Good lads,' said Jackram. "'With your permission, General Frock." He did not wait for the reply, but marched forward with parade-grand smartness. He came to boot-crashing attention in front of the senior generals, who were still brushing plaster dust from their uniforms, and saluted with the precision of a semaphore. I beg to report, sir, that we now hold the main gate, sir. Took the liberty of putting together a force of the ins and outs, the side to sides, and the backwards and forwards, sir, just in case. Saw a big cloud of flame and smoke over the place, and arrived at the gates just as your lads did. Got them coming and going, sir. There was a general cheer, and General Kazuppi leaned toward Frock. In view of this pleasing development, sir, perhaps we should hurry up and close this. Frock waved him into silence. Jackram, you old rogue,' he said, leaning back in his chair. "'I heard you were dead. How the devil are you?' "'Fighting fit, sir,' barked Jackram. "'Not dead at all, despite the hopes of many.' "'Glad to hear it, man. But while your rosy face is a welcome sight at any time, we are here to—' fourteen miles I carried you, sir,' Jackram roared, sweat pouring down his face.' Pulled that arrow out of your leg, sir. Sliced that devil of a captain who pushed an axe in your face, sir, and I'm glad to see the scars looking well. Killed that poor sentry lad just to steal his water bottle for you, sir. Looked into his dying face, sir, for you. Never asked for nothing in return, sir. Right, sir? Frock rubbed his chin and smiled. Well, I seem to remember there was that little matter of fudging some details. Changing a few dates, he murmured. "'Don't give me that bleeding slop, sir, with respect. That wasn't for me, that was for the army. For the Duchess, sir. And yeah, I see a few other gentlemen around this table who had reason to do the same little service for me. For the Duchess, sir. And if you was to leave me one sword, I'd stand and fight any man in your army, sir, be he never so young and full of mustard.' In one movement he pulled a cutlass from his belt, and brought it down on the paperwork between Frock's hands. It bit through into the wood of the table and stayed there. Frock didn't flinch. Instead he looked up and said calmly, Hero though you may be, Sergeant, I fear that you have gone too far. Have I gone a full fourteen miles yet, sir, said Jackram. For a moment there was no sound but that of the cutlass vibrating to a halt. Frock breathed out. "'Very well,' he said. "'What is your request, sergeant?' "'I notes you have my little lads before you, sir. I'm hearing that they are in a spot of bother, sir. The girls, Jackram, are to be restrained in a place of safety. This is no place for them, and that is my order, sergeant.' I said to them when they signed up, sir, I said, if anyone drags you away, they'll have to drag me away too, sir. Frock nodded. Very loyal of you, Sergeant, and very much in your character. Nevertheless, and I have information vital to these here deliberations, sir. There is something I must tell you, sir. Really? Then by all means tell us, man, said Frock. "'You don't have to take, or it requires that some of you gentlemen quit this room, sir,' said Jackram desperately. He was still at attention, still holding the salute. "'Now you do ask too much, Jackram,' said Frock. "'These are loyal officers of her grace.' "'No doubt of it, sir. Upon my oath I am not a gossiping man, sir, but I will speak my piece to those I choose, sir, or speak it to the world.' "'There's ways to do that, sir. Nasty, new-fangled ways. Your choice, sir.' At last Frock coloured. He stood up abruptly. "'Are you seriously telling me that you'd—' "'This is my famous last stand, sir,' said Jackram, saluting again. "'Do or die, sir.' All eyes turned to the general. He relaxed. "'Oh, very well.' It can't do any harm to listen to you, Sergeant. God knows you've earned it. But make it quick. Thank you, sir. But try this again, and you'll be on the biggest fizzer you can imagine. No worry there, sir. Never been one for fizzers. I will, by your leave, point to certain men, and I'll include strappy in this category, because I wouldn't dream of calling a captain a dog's todger, sir. They were about half of the officers.' They rose with greater or lesser protest, but rise they did under Frock's sapphire glare and filed out in the corridor. Strappy was among them, trying to stay inconspicuous. "'General, I protest,' said a departing colonel. "'We are being sent out of the room like naughty children, while these females are—' "'Yes, yes, Rodney. "'And if our friend the sergeant doesn't have a damn good explanation, "'I'll personally turn him over to you for punishment detail,' said Frock. But he's entitled to his last wild charge, if any man is. Go quietly, there's a good chap, and keep the war going until we get there.' "'And have you finished this strange charade, sergeant?' he added, as the last of the officers left. "'All but one last thing, sir,' said Jackram, and stamped over to the guards. They were at attention already, but nevertheless contrived to become more attentive.' You lads go outside this door, said the sergeant. No one is to come close, understand? And I know you boys won't try to eavesdrop, because of what'll happen to you if I ever found out that you had done so. Off you go. Hop, 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 hop. He shut the doors behind them, and the atmosphere changed. Polly couldn't quite detect how, but perhaps it was that the click of the doors had said, This is our secret, and everyone present was in on it. Jackram removed his shako and laid it gently on the table in front of the general. Then he took off his coat and handed it to Polly, saying, "'Hold this, Perks, it's the property of her grace.' He rolled up his sleeves. He relaxed his enormous red suspenders, and then, to Polly's horror, if not to her surprise, he brought out his paper screw of foul chewing tobacco and his blackened penknife. "'Oh, I say,' a major began before a colleague nudged him into silence. Never had a man cutting a wad of black tobacco been the subject of such rapt, horrified attention. Things are going well outside, he said. Shame you aren't all out there, eh? Still, the truth's important too, right? And that's what this tribunal is for, I've no doubt about it. It must be important, the truth, else you wouldn't be here, am I right? Course I am. Jackram finished the cut, palmed the stuff into his mouth, and got it comfortable in a cheek, while the sounds of battle filtered through from outside. Then he turned and walked towards the major who had just spoken. The man cringed a little in his chair. "'What have you got to say about the truth, Major Derby?' said Jackram conversationally. "'Nothing. Well then, what shall I say? What shall I say about a captain who turned and ran sobbing when we came across a column of lubinians deserting his very men? Shall I say that Old Jackram tripped him up and pummeled him a bit, and put the fear of Jackram into him, and he went back, and t'was a famous victory he had that day, over two enemies, one of them being in his own head. And he came to old Jackram again, drunk with battle, and said more than he ought. "'You bastard!' said the Major, softly. "'Shall I tell the truth today?" "'Janet,' said Jackram. The sounds of battle were suddenly much louder. They poured into the room like the water rushes to fill a hole in the ocean floor, but all the sound in the world could not have filled that sudden, tremendous silence. Jackram strolled on toward another man. "'Good to see you here, Colonel Cammerbund,' he said cheerfully. "'Of course. You were only Lieutenant Cammerbund when I was under your command. Plucky lad you were when you led us against that detachment of Coppelies. And then you took a nasty sword-wound in the fracca, or just above.' and I got you through with rum and cold water, and found that plucky you might be, but lad you weren't. Oh, how you gabbled away in your feverish delirium. Yes, you did. That's the truth, Olga. He stepped around the table and started to stroll along behind the officers. Those he passed stared woodenly ahead, not daring to turn, not daring to make any movement that would attract attention. You could say I know something about all of yours, he said. Quite a lot about some of you, just enough about most of you. A few of you, well, I could write a book. He paused, just behind Frock, who stiffened. Jackram, I'm—he began. Jackram put a hand on each of Frock's shoulders. Fourteen miles, sir. Two nights, because we lay up by day, the patrols were that thick. Cut about, pretty dreadful you were— but you got better nursing from me than any Sawbones, I'll bet. He leaned forward until his mouth was level with the General's ear, and continued in a stage whisper What is there left about you that I don't know? So, are you really looking for the truth, Mildred? The room was a museum of waxworks. Jackram spat on the floor. You cannot prove anything, Sergeant, said Frock eventually with the calm of an ice-field. Well, now, not as such. But they keep telling me this is the modern world, sir. I don't need proof, exactly. I know a man who'd love such a tale to tell, and it'd be an more pork in a couple of hours. If you leave this room alive, said a voice. Jackram smiled his evilest smile and bore down on the source of the threat like an avalanche. "'Ah, I thought one of yous would try that, Chloe, but I note you never made it beyond major, and no wonder, since you always try to bluff with no bleeding cards in your hand. Nice try, though. But first, I could take you to the bleeding cleaners before those guards were back in here, upon my oath, and second, you don't know what I've writ down and who else knows. I trained all you girls at one time or another, and some of the cunning you got, some of the mustard, some of the sense well, you got it from me, didn't you?' so don't any of you go thinking you can be artful about this, because when it comes to cunning I am Mr. Fox.' "'Sergeant, sergeant, sergeant,' said Frock wearily. "'What is it you want?' Jackram completed his circuit of the table and finished in front of it, once again like a man before his judges. "'Well, blow me down,' he said quietly, looking along the row of faces. "'You didn't know, did you?' you didn't know. Is there a a man among you that knew? You thought, every one of you, that you were all alone. All alone, you poor devils. And look at you. More than a third of the country's high command. You made it on your own ladies. What could you have done if you'd acted to—' He stopped, and took a step towards Frock, who looked down at her cloven paperwork. "'How many did you spot, Mildred?' That will be general, sergeant. I'm still a general, sergeant. Or sir will do. And your answer is one or two. One or two. And you promoted them, did you? As if they was as good as men? Indeed not, sergeant. What do you take me for? I promoted them if they were better than men. Jackram opened his arms wide, like a ringmaster introducing a new act. Then what about the lads I brought with me, sir? As cracking a bunch of lads as I've ever seen, he cast a bloodshot eye around the table, and I'm good at weighing up a lad, as you all know. They'd be a credit to your army, sir. Frock looked at his colleagues on either side, an unspoken question harvested unsaid answers. Yes, well, she said, all seems clear to us in the light of new developments— When beardless lads dress up as gals, there's no doubt that people will get confused. And that's what we've got here, Sergeant. Mere confusion. Mistaken identities. Much ado, in fact, about nothing. Clearly they are boys, and may return home right now with an honourable discharge. Jackram chuckled and stuck out a palm, flexing the fingers upwards like a man bargaining. Once again there was the communion of spirits. "'Very well. They can, if they wish, continue in the army,' said Frock. "'With discretion, of course.' "'No, sir!' Polly stared at Jackram, and then realised the words had in fact come from her own mouth. Frock raised her eyebrows. "'What is your name again?' she said. "'Corporal Perks, sir,' said Polly, saluting. She watched Frock's face settle into an expression of condescending benevolence, If she uses the words, my dear, I shall swear, she thought. Well, my dear. Not your dear, sir or madam, said Polly. In the theatre of her mind, the Duchess Inn burned to a cinder, and her old life peeled away black as charcoal, and she was flying, ballistic, too fast and too high, and unable to stop. I am a soldier, General. I signed up. I kissed the Duchess. I don't think generals call their soldiers my dear, do they? Frock coughed. The smile remained, but had the decency to be a bit more restrained. And private soldiers don't talk like that to generals, young lady, so we'll let that pass, shall we? she said. Just here, in this room, I don't know what passes and what stays, sir, said Polly, but it seems to me that if you are still a general, then I'm still a corporal, sir. I can't speak for the others, but the reason I'm holding out, general, is that I kissed the Duchess, and she knew what I was, and she didn't turn away if you understand me. Well said, Perks, said Jackram. Polly plunged on. Sir, a day or two ago I'd have rescued my brother and gone off home and I'd have thought it a job well done. I just wanted to be safe. But now I see there's no safety while there's all this, this stupidity. So I think I've got to stay and be part of it. Er, Try to make it less stupid, I mean. And I want to be me, not Oliver. I kissed the Duchess, we all did. You can't tell us we didn't, and you can't tell us it don't count, because it's between us and her. You all kissed the Duchess, said a voice. It had an echo. You all kissed the Duchess. Did you think that meant nothing, that it was just a kiss? Did you think it meant nothing, just a kiss? The whispered words washed against the walls like surf, and came back stronger in harmonies. Did you kiss? Meant nothing, meant a kiss. Just think a kiss meant a kiss. Wazza was standing up. The squad stood petrified as she walked unsteadily past them. Her eyes focused on Polly and then looked down at her own legs. So good to have a body again, she said. I wonder what all the fuss is about. So good a body the fuss is. I wonder the fuss something was in Wazza's face. Her features were all there, all correct. Her nose was as pointed and as red, her cheekbones as hollow, but there were subtle changes. She held up a hand and flexed her fingers. "'Ah!' she said. "'So!' There was no echo this time, but the voice was stronger and deeper. No one would ever have said that Wazza's voice had been attractive, but this one was." She turned to Jackram, who dropped onto his fat knees and whipped off his shako. Sergeant Jackram, I know that you know who I am. You have waded through seas of blood for me. Perhaps we should have done better things with your life, but at least your sins were soldiers' sins, and not the worst of them at that. You are hereby promoted to sergeant-major and a better candidate for the job I have never met. You are steeped in deviousness cunning and casual criminality, Sergeant Jackram. You should do well. Jackram, eyes cast down, raised a knuckle to his forehead. Not worthy, your grace, he muttered. Of course you aren't, the Duchess looked around. Now where is my army? Ah! There was no hesitancy now, and none of Wazza's cowering and downcast eyes. She positioned herself directly in front of Frock, who was staring with her mouth open. "'General Frock, you must do one final service for me.' The general glared. "'Who the hell are you?' "'You need to ask. As always, Jackram thinks faster than you. You know me. I am the Duchess Anagovia.' "'But you are—' One of the other officers began, but Frock held up her hand again. "'The voice is familiar,' she said in a faraway whisper. "'Yes. You remember the ball? I remember it, too. Forty years ago. You were the youngest captain ever. We danced. Stiffly, in my case. I asked you how long you had been a captain, and you said, three days,' breathed Frock, with her eyes shut. And we ate brandy pillows, and drank a cocktail that I believe was called "'Angels' Tears,' said Frock. "'I kept the menu, your grace, and the dance-card.' "'Yes,' said the Duchess, "'you did, and when old General Scaffer led you away, he said, "'That'll be something to tell your grandchildren, my boy. "'But you were so dedicated you never had children, "'and what a man you became, my my boy, my boy, my boy!' "'I see heroes,' said the Duchess, staring at the tableau of officers. "'All of you gave up—much, but I demand more—much more. "'Is there any among you who, for the sake of my memory, will not die in battle?' Wazza's head turned and looked along the row and smiled. "'No, I see there is not. "'And now I demand that you do what the ignorant might feel is the easiest thing.' You must refrain from dying in battle. Revenge is not redress. Revenge is a wheel, and it turns backwards. The dead are not your masters. What is it you want of me, ma'am? Frock managed. Call in your other officers. Make what truces are necessary for now. This body, this poor child will lead you. "'I am weak, but I can move small things, thoughts, perhaps. "'I will leave her something, a light in the eye, a tone in the voice. "'Follow her. You must invade.' "'Certainly, but how?' "'You must invade. Borrow Gravia. "'In the name of sanity you must go home. "'The winter is coming. The trusting animals are not fed.' Old men die of cold, women mourn, the country corrodes. Fight Nuggan, because he is nothing now, nothing but the poisonous echo of all your ignorance and pettiness and malicious stupidity. Find yourself a worthier God, and let me go. All those prayers, all those entreaties to me— Too many hands clasped that could more gainfully answer your prayers by effort and resolve. And what was I? Just a rather stupid woman when I was alive. But you believed I watched over you and listened to you, and so I had to. I had to listen, knowing that there was no help. I wish people would not be so careless about what they believe. Go! Invade the one place you've never conquered. And these women will help. Be proud of them. And lest you think to twist my meaning, lest you doubt, let me, as I leave, return to you this gift. Remember, a kiss, a kiss, a kiss, a kiss. Return to you kiss, remember. As one woman, as one man, the crowd in the room reached up hesitantly to their left cheek, and a folded up very gently, collapsing like a sigh. Frock was the first to speak. "'This is—I think we need to—' she faltered into silence. Jackram got to his feet, brushed the dust off his shako, placed it on his head and saluted. "'Permission to speak, sir,' he said. "'Oh, good heavens, Jackram!' said Frock, distractedly. At a time like this, yes, yes. What are your orders, sir? Orders? Frock blinked and looked around. Orders, orders? Yes, well, I am the commander. I I can request a—yes, I can request a truce, Sergeant. That's Sergeant Major, sir, said Jackram. Right you are, sir. I'll organize a runner to go to the Alliance. I suppose a— "'White flag would be good as done, sir. "'Leave it to me,' said Jackram, "'radiating efficiency.' "'Yes, of course. Uh, "'Before uh, before we go any further, "'ladies and gentlemen, "'I, uh, some of the things said here, the, "'the whole issue of women joining as women, obviously.' "'Frock raised her hand to her cheek again "'in a kind of wonderment. "'They—' are welcome. I salute them. But for those of us that went before, perhaps it is not—not yet the time, you understand?' "'What?' said Polly. Lips sealed sir,' said Jackram. "'You can leave it all to me, sir. Captain Blouse's squad, attention! You will obtain uniforms. You can't go around still dressed as washerwomen, oh dear me!' "'We are soldiers,' said Polly. "'Of course you are.' Otherwise I wouldn't be shouting at you, you horrible little woman. The world's turned upside down. It's a bit more important than you right now, eh? You've got what you're after, right? Now get hold of a uniform, find yourself a shako, and wipe your face at least. You are taking the official truce to the enemy. Me, Sarge, said Polly. Right, just as soon as the officers have done the official letter, Jackram turned. Tonka, Lofty, see what you can find for perks to wear. Perks? Don't be cowed and bull yourself up. The rest of you, hurry up and wait. Sergeant Jack, uh, uh, Sergeant Major, said Blas. Yes, sir. I'm not a captain, you know. Are you not? Said Jackram, grinning. Well, leave it to Jackram, sir. We shall see what the day brings, eh? Minor point, sir. I should lose the dress if I were you. End of CD 9